Instacart shoppers know groceries. They know that you can't make guacamole with rock-hard avocados. They know how to quickly find those peanut butter pretzels you can never find. And they keep you in the know by giving you updates about your order along the way. Let Instacart shoppers help take shopping off your plate so you can get time and energy back for what really matters. Visit instacart.com or download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum order $10. Additional terms apply. Instacart. Add life to cart. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Destiny. Now here's your host, Cliff Dunning. Hey, hope you're doing well today. We are venturing into the other realms today and uh, returning to the Akashic Records. We are featuring one of my favorite authors, uh, Shelley Carr, and she has written a new book called Journeys Through the Akashic Records. And the reason I like this book is it really gets into how you can uh, use a short meditation and begin accessing what we consider the Akashic Records. Now, I have always had great confusion when it comes to working with the Akashic Records because it's like, well, how do you know your at that place where you're entering this library? How do you know what tools can you use to, to recognize when you've entered the realm of the Akashic Records? It's my guess, and you know, it's funny, I'm thinking about this right now. It's my guess that when you're with somebody who acknowledges themselves as a psychic, who can pass through the current realms of consciousness into a consciousness where they can have a sense of who you are, perhaps look at uh, future events, past events, present events, and be able to, to, to tell you what they either predict or what they sense about you and provide some prophecy, provide some, some elements of, of future events, future relationships. I mean, why do people go to psychics? They want more information. They they want to go. They want to they want to know what's going on in their world. Who is this person I'm interacting with? Why am I blocked with this person? And you know, it's like anything else. There's psychics that are charlatans. You know, that are just out to make a buck. And there's other people who actually are sensitive that are truly able to tap who you are in a certain time space or condition. I believe that psychics can actually tap into this cosmic 
cloud computing library that we call the Akashic Records. And they're going to actually get a sense of what's going on with you. Now, today we're going to hear about what it takes, what you need to do, how you know you uh, have reached the Akashic Records, and what you can use them for. You know, I'm very interested in this stuff. I, I have to be honest with you, I am somewhat lazy when it comes to this stuff. I do meditate, try to meditate twice a day. And when you meditate, you are dropping out of waking consciousness and you are accessing uh, subtle realms or consciousness that slows the brain, slows your perception, and allows you to, it actually may uh, give you access, and I need to talk to Shelly a little bit about this today, as well as some other friends. It may give you uh, a, a doorway or access point to the Akashic Records. But I tend, when I meditate, I tend to, because I, I mean, I do a traditional meditation. I do the Transcendental Meditation, which was taught to me when I was like about 18. And I've used it consistently for 25 years. And it, it really helps. But they never talked about the Akashic Records. They never talked about accessing you know, cosmic database or a or a knowledge base to help me. So, I mean, this may be what we're listening to today. This may be the next level. So, uh, I'm very curious about curious about what we'll learn about. Now, I am aware of certain people, and we've talked about people like uh, Edgar Casey who had phenomenal access to the Akashic Records, phenomenal recall. And he could, in a trance, go in and uh, look at someone's past and delve into great details of multiple lifetimes. And that's really the phenomenal, the real, a real example of full access to the library. Uh, I mentioned psychics. Um, I, I think there are other people out there who may be uh, using the Akashic Records. A couple of months ago, we miss, mentioned Tesla. In fact, I think in the case of Tesla, he actually may have overstepped his bounds and pulled into his consciousness technology and devices that were not meant for our time period. And one of those devices, I believe, is the Wardenclyffe Tower, which he actually built in New York. And if you don't know what the Wardenclyffe Tower is, it was what you can consider free energy. The theory behind the Wardenclyffe Tower is that you set up all these towers and they draw energy from the earth. They dis uh, distribute it in the atmosphere and you're able to power craft that have engines that are run by this energy. Uh, I, I personally believe that this is what the Maya, perhaps the Egyptians, uh, created in their uh, pyramids. Uh, we're learning more and more about the Maya. I think John Burke, who I talk about all the time, tested a number of pyramids in um, Mexico 
and South and Central America and and found that they actually are producing some kind of energy. But we don't know what the Warren Cliff Tower that Tesla designed, what kind of energy it was creating and distributing in the atmosphere because he never got a chance to to turn the thing on. He lost his funding just as he was about to test it. And I believe that it was uh, Edison and the other investors of the tower who realized that if Tesla was successful and actually was able to create a uh, uh, wireless technology, a cloud-based energy system that generated energy, they would they would they would run they would lose their shirts they would uh, not be able to charge for it and so he was uh, I mean that was the beginning of the downfall for Tesla is the loss of the Warren Cliff funding because it also uh, was that money was also funding his other inventions but I think and and if you look at Tesla's life there were other machines there were other devices that he did not actually produce but this is a, a device that he pulled out of the Akashic Records, the Akashic Library, produced in the 1920s, I guess. And it was, it, was too, it was too far in advance for the time. It really was. And I think there's a lot of this kind of, of uh, uh, possibility where people are pulling down inventions that are just not, we're just not ready for. We really are. You got to wonder too if if somebody has pulled down and has uh, designed genetic anti-cancer drug, you know, but it's just not ready. It's not ready to be produced. That what 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 a, her- a terrible thing to, th- to say though, because so many people suffer with cancer, so many people suffer with degenerative diseases like arthritis, yeah, rheumatoid arthritis, and, and other uh, very very painful physical conditions. So I, I find the possibilities of tapping in more and more to the Akashic records fascinating. Now I'm going to step back just a second here and talk about the importance of meditation. For those of, of you listening who do not meditate, I really urge you to consider it because not only does it open your, your brain and I, I kind of tend to provide the analogy of, of uh, uh, cleansing the brain or washing the brain or, or bathing the brain with energy when you meditate. Meditation is so beneficial. Uh, and if, you ever, if you're ever inclined to try it, there are so many techniques. I would urge you to try the transcendental meditation because it's the easiest to learn. Most major cities teach it, and I think it's only about 1,200 U.S., 1,200 U.S. You go four times, and you have it for the rest of your life. And it actually opens you up to being as creative, as healthy as possible, it is another aid. It is one of those uh, rejuvenative types of practice w- which you do once in the morning, once in the evening, or in the afternoon. And I, I swear by it. 
I really swear by it, and I, I really urge people to to try meditation. And I think that meditation is the first step in helping you access your higher consciousness, but also I think it can help you, and we'll hear about it today, tap into this Akashic Records. So the program is Journeys Through the Akashic Records, and my guest today is Shelly Carr, and uh, this was recorded a few months ago. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumpacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Uh... Today we have a, a returning guest, somebody who I really, really enjoy. Her name is Shelly Carr. We had Shelly on uh, at the end of last year talking about a book that I that I liked. It was called Past Lives in Ancient Lands and Other Worlds. And uh, Shelly's a pro- prolific writer, <laughs> which is fantastic. We were just talking about it as we started. But this book, and as, as you as you know, we've had Akashic, uh, people, the new books on Akashic Records. We've had people talk about Akashic Records in the past. The title of this new book is Journey Journeys Through the Akashic Records, Accessing Other Realms of Consciousness for Healing and Transformation. And the reason I wanted Shelly on here is that the other people that we've had that were talking about Akashic Records were, were generalizing. And we're giving their philosophy. We even had um, Irvin Laszlo on, who's like a, a genius when it comes to uh, the Akashic Records. But these people are philosophers. They are cosmology, uh, dealing with cosmology. 
and looking at the big picture, one of the reasons that Shelly, and I'm here I am going on with this long introduction, and Shelly's going, what the hell? What are you going to say hello to me? But anyhow, hang on, Shelly, let me finish this. <laughs> one of the great parts of this uh, with Shelly is that she had a crisis in her life. She had a near-death experience, and all this came bleeding out of her, came forth in a shift that we're going to talk to her about uh, in, in a minute. And this is what makes this book so profound. So if you've ever been thinking about the Akashic Records, if you've ever thought about using it for transformation, this is the program for you. So with that, Shelley. Happy, Happy New, Year. New Year. Good to see you, my friend. How are you? I am doing great, Cliff. It's great to be with you at the beginning of a new year. Beginning of a new year. Before we start, you know, you're in you're an intuitive. What what uh what's your gut feeling on 2023? What what do you think? <sighs> what do you think are the high I mean, without going, Shelly, I want 20 points and references. I want just black and white. What do you think the year is gonna be like? I think we'll be getting out more in public and maybe receiving a little bit more of what we call the old normal or whatever. Um, Back in the pandemic, I was teaching a lot of online classes and we all decided to take a trip to the future. And almost everybody in the group said that it was going to be 2023 when we get back out in public. And I think that's probably true. Last year, we were kind of on training wheels. And so I'm just hoping to get together with people more often in person. That's a great, that, that's good. I mean, I think that's going to help a lot of people because we've been isolated. We haven't been able to socialize. Uh, and I, I think even getting out and wearing a mask is acceptable because <laughs> I still see people. I've been to a couple of parties uh, for the holidays and people were still mingling with their masks on. So wow. I, I went to holiday parties too. They, I, I live in Texas, so they just don't do masks over here. No, nobody had masks on, but it's so nice to be at a holiday party. You're just going, wow. I mean, I know. if we were taking this for granted, I think we've all gotten over that now and we're ready, you know, and it's just so comforting to be around your friends. You haven't seen them in years, you know, you know, and, and let's just hope everyone's immunity is boosted enough so we don't have to, you know, get any more vaccines because I'm tired of being vaccinated. <laughs> I've been. Yes. I had I to fly you. a lot and I had to be vaccinated because I was going to England and Europe and Mexico and these other countries that really are dealing with it in a different way. So, all right, let's start off on, on this. Talk about your near death experience, Shelley. I, I, uh, I find that a profound shift. Talk a little bit about what the circumstances were. Yeah, this was all the way back in 2000. Um, I was having, let's just put it, as a transformational year in my life, <laughs> I had gone through, to say the least, um, I'd gone through a divorce. I was living in this kind of haunted apartment in Denver, and I got the vibes that I needed to go to Egypt. And so I traveled over to Egypt. And when I came back from that, there was some kind of shift that had happened. I started hearing the inner voice and something was telling me, there's something wrong with your heart and you're not going to live much longer. So I didn't have an accident. I didn't get run over or anything. But one night I just felt myself lift up out of my body and I went into this peaceful celestial light. And it's 
you know, just like all the books people read about this, it's it's very um, nonverbal, very cerebral. There was like a semicircle of light beings. They didn't have faces, but the one person I recognized was my um, grandmother who had passed away shortly after my birth. Um, when I was born, a couple of weeks after I was born, I was sent home to die. Basically, I had an undiagnosed medical condition and they told my parents I was going to die. And then my grandmother passed away and then I made this miraculous recovery. And so in the back of my mind, all of my whole life, I had thought, you know, maybe my grandmother feels like she might be one of my guardian angels. And when I was up there in this weird celestial light, then I realized that that was true. Hmm. And so I came back from that and how I got into this Akashic realm records um, topic is I realized I was very, very sensitive. I was incredibly sensitive to sounds. And I I started having energy just pouring out of my hands. I didn't know what Reiki was. I'd never taken a healing class. I was just, I used to be a regular person. <laughs> Not anymore. Um, and so I started taking a bunch of different kinds of classes and energy healing and what's going on here to try to figure out what was happening with myself. But the thing that would happen that really led to this final um, epiphany that I must be accessing the Akashic records was, let's say you and I are hanging out, having a conversation and you're telling me about your trip to the grocery store. I mean, it could be something just so ridiculous and so mundane. I would find myself having a little movie playing in my head and I'm going, oh my gosh, look, you know, clips over there in the vegetable aisle. This is incredible. And then I would go, what am I doing? Why am I looking inside your mind? You know, and I, and so I started to realize that, of course, I, I did know how to do readings. I did do Akashic rec Record readings for a while, but I really gravitate towards past life regressions because the person is doing it for themselves. I think it's more empowering as a healing if you come up with your own answers without me telling you. But the fact that I've had this ability, I think it's one of the reasons why um, the clients that I've worked with over the years had been more successful in their journeys because you know, I kind of go along with them on the journey. Like yes. And very often before they say, Oh, I'm wearing a red dress and I live in the 1700s. I'd see them on the staircase, you know, in the dress. And oh, so weird. I, a lot of times I was actually with them. And, um, and so therefore if they get stuck in a space, I'm kind of going, well, what about this? Or, you know, cause you don't want to say too much in those situations. You, you still want to coach people to, their own conclusions, but it definitely turned out to be a pretty helpful little thing that I had developed, let's say. And then I so, had to teach myself how to turn it off at times as well. It's so, so amazing. So you, you had this experience, this near death experience, as you call it in 2000. And what you're telling us is that all these abilities kind of came forth and you became much more perceptive, uh, perhaps uh, psychic able to, to see what a person was going through as you were working with them. Um, how did you uh, recognize the Akashic record access point at, after that event? Was it like you were entering a dimension where you were seeing data or did you know ahead of time that you, because of the, the language that you had read about that you were entering the Akashic record uh, vault, if you want to call it that. I don't think at that point, even in the earlier part of my career, when I was, um, you know, I, I got this PhD in parapsychic science, which is energy medicine. I don't even think I was using that term Akashic records at, at that time at all. 
Um, I think that it's taken me quite a while to kind of understand that that is the realm that I was tapping into. I talk about the fact that I think that I believe that everyone can access these details, but what you access, for example, and the gifts that you have would be different than mine. And so I had a natural inclination to be able to either tell people about their past lives or to see those kinds of details when talking to people. And so over time, then you start to, I've written books on parallel universes and different things like that. And you start to understand, you know, this timelessness of everything. And that really all of these bits of information, whether we're talking about our past lives or our soul purpose or our soul family or future memories, which is something I was doing from the beginning of my career, that all of this is coming out of um, something I like to laugh about and call the cosmic soup. <laughs> you know, it's coming out of that that realm of multidimensional consciousness. We can call it the Akashic Records. We can imagine it's a file cabinet or a library or whatever. And so through the years, I've developed different kinds of journeys to help people in whatever way they need to perceive it. But the truth is, it's it's something that is unperceivable, as you know. It's it's the realm of consciousness, and we just simply have to figure out um, the specifics that we want to draw out of that. So I think it's more of a, a newer thing or to, for me to actually name it for what it really is. Okay, so you're saying that you've kind of been playing in that dimension or, or, or library known as the Akashic records. As I look at you, you are physical, but you work with the etheric, the other dimensions of reality that I would like to be able to, to work with more. And many of our listeners would be uh, like to work in it as well. Um, how do we step out of the physical? I mean, is it just meditation? Because the problem that I, I I'm I'm so locked in to the physical, which is this heavy dimension. And I mean, I medit I've been meditating for 30 years, but when it comes to the Akashic records, it's like, do I visualize a vi a, a library of books that I open up and there's the answers I have? Explain to us what you experience when you enter the realms of the Akashic records or the hall of records, you know, as Edgar Casey called them. Yeah. Um, I, I hear you. And I think that you're right. A lot of people have that, that challenge of trying to figure out how am I going to get into these different spaces? And again, <laughs> it, it kind of happened to me by accident, but I per on a personal level, very early on after this happened, I would, I was taking some hypnotherapy training and I started to realize that I was walking, I was opening a door and walking into this space. Mm -hmm. And every time I would walk through that very first door, I realized that I was always in the same room that kind of looked like this Victorian parlor. Oh, interesting. Now, and so what happened is over the years, when I would regress people in the very early part of my career, let's say we're having a regression, I'd say, sometimes I'd say, Hey, Cliff, could you tell me what that first room looked like when you came back out of the session? And I would take notes on it. And it was really weird because a lot of people, which was shocking to me, they would describe the colors, you know, that I'd never told them anything about this place. And I went, oh, OMG, you know, they're going into my room. Oh, that's and so, so then weird. I started thinking, well, if I have a room, don't other people have a room too? And so then I started just trying to, again, step, you know, I think, 
gosh, this is so interesting. We're having this conversation, but the the person who's working with the person, you don't really want to put your energy into that other than as a coach. So I, I made a more conscious effort through experience of making sure I'm stepping my energy out. And so this Akashic Record book is based on all the journeys I've taken people on for 20 years, but to really get the your listeners and your viewers out there it, in this idea that we all have a special room. And so I talk you very in very great length through like if my physical space in the three-dimensional world is comfortable, try to find a place like a chair you like to sit in. You're not going to be disturbed. Get your candles or your blankets or whatever it is. It's going to make you comfortable in the physical world. Stay, try to do that every time, just like you do with meditation. And then you're going to go create your inner world, which begins with the walk through the door into your room. And so what kind of stuff do you want in your room? Is it, you know, it might be some medieval place or it could be a, a bare walled room with just a desk in it or something. It could be anything you want. It could have squishy pillows, all the cool stuff you wanted to buy, but didn't have time to do. And it's your place. And then every time we start exercising the muscle of going in to that same place. And then as you mentioned earlier, and you asked about, so just like I might like to go to a library and open up a book, to get my information, you might like it to look like a computer lab and sit down at a keyboard. So in the book, I've because I've had to be very intuitive with clients over the years, I have to give them a reading in their mind, like what language do I need to give to this person or what kind of guided um, direction do I need to give the person so that they can get the outcome that they want, the best outcome. And what resonates to you maybe it doesn't resonate to somebody else. So, um, you know, this, this place where we can access the information begins with always accessing it through our special place and then opening the door. And I give readers in this book several options. So you might go, well, I really love the library. Uh, I wasn't so much on the file cabinets or I like the computer lab, you know, and so you can find the place that resonates with you. And then I'm trying to encourage people why do we make our lives so hard? Why can't you just go to the one that you like the best and then just know that that's how you do it? Because we're all going to have gifts. We're going to all have things that resonate better with us. And so I think life should, we should try to make our lives easy if we can. And so um I think it just through trial and error, people can find the right way for them mm-hmm. to access the information. Okay. So this is very good because what you're, what you're telling me is that there's no right place. It's what you uh, perceive in your meditative state. Uh, somebody who's reading the book, you're you're saying op- you're be open to what comes through. It doesn't have to be a hall of records or a library. It could be a comfortable room, whatever is manifested in your thought form. And we're not going to spend a whole bunch of time and start saying things like. Uh, you have helpers and things like that. We'll get into that in a minute because <laughs> we'll be here for hours if we start getting into every detail. <laughs> uh, but one thing I want to ask you real quickly before we get into some specifics in working with the Akashic Records, what do you tell your, your clients is what should they be feeling? What, what not necessarily, well, maybe necessarily the emotions, but what does this space feel like? What, you know, obviously it can't be uncomfortable. It has to be comfortable or you're not going to be able to access data. 
But what what would you say are the sensations that people should be feeling that are premers to down, downloading data? I think that's a great question because one of the stumbling blocks that people are having is if you go to like, let's say we go to a psychic development class and then there's that one person in the front row, they just saw a technicolored unicorn galloping across the tundra and the rest of us are going, wow, I didn't even get anything at all. You know, I mean, it's like very discouraging. So I'm trying to initially talk to people about you might be a visual person, wonderful, but you might also be able to have an inner knowing or You mentioned helpers, which we'll talk about later, but a helper might be able to tell us some things about what's happening. And so I'm trying to encourage people to, you know, again, let's make it easy. Which one of those three, either pictures, thoughts, or feelings, or sounds, or hearing things, what what is easiest for you to access this information? We don't have to see it. And then again, like you mentioned, yes, once you walk into this first room, this is your happy place. This is your special place. And it needs to be feeling very supportive and very energetically uplifting so that you will be able to then go on from there. Okay, excellent. So <clears throat> we get we sit down in a quiet place. Um, real quickly, talk about the ceremony or the Premer leading to the beginning of accessing your your uh, Kashik record spaces. I mean, you you do you get into altars and things like that. I guess I mean I have a little altar. We've talked before about having an altar, a sacred space that kind of as you light the candle or you sit quietly for a few minutes, it kind of kickstarts uh, and lets your wisdom, your higher self, wisdom, whatever you want to call it, know that this is a time for preparing to access your your uh uh your your special time your akashic record access point yes that is an excellent question so speaking of uh laszlo who you mentioned earlier so i've got a section in the front of the book where i'm talking about edgar casey laszlo madame blavatsky and so I always really think about Madame Blavatsky when I think about the Akashic Records. So in the spirit of her, she always talked about something called the astral light. So the beginning of the process would be we're going to learn how to really draw down an incredibly high frequency light, bring it through the crown of the head and run it through the body. Then we're going to surround ourselves with a ball of protection. And then we're going to imagine this doorway and go into that sacred space of your own creation. And when you mentioned the altars and things like that, that's again, part of how we're going to do before we ever get to this point, setting up our external space in the physical world so that we are the minute, like you said, we light the candle. It's saying something to our subconscious mind that, whoops, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go on the trip. And so then by the time we're ready to walk through those thresholds, we're going to walk into that first room where we are going to be met by our special helper, which could be an angel or a guide. And that's something, again, from just years and years and years of doing this. It's very comforting. I mean, obviously, I would be with with you, but it's very, very comforting to know that this guardian angel or a guide who's been with your soul since the beginning of the time, who loves you unconditionally, who has your back, is going to go with you on the journey. They're going to answer your questions. They're going to hold your hand. And so you're going to meet with them. And then depending on which doorway you walk through, depending on what you want to know, um, there's different constructs. One of my favorites, because I do write books for the Edgar Casey Foundation, is um, based on the Casey readings, because Casey said that the Akashic 
Hall of Records would be found under the paw of the Sphinx. So we go on this slide and we slide down under the this Giza Plateau and we go into this really <laughs> cool place. I know how it looks for me, but again, I don't want to say too much about how it might look to other people. But yeah, because you know, with scrolls and Indiana Jones ish kind of stuff, that's a fun one to do. Or there's another one where we walk out and we go to this big um, multi-storied cosmic library and we open up pages to a book. We float down a stream in a boat. And, you know, there's just all kinds of things I'm giving people, again, to try. But the first, the beginning, you do the beginning parts the same every time because it's like exercising a muscle at the gym. You may do a little bit the first time, but the more you get used to doing it, then it just becomes easier and easier to access the information that you're looking for. Mm, I like that. Is there, are there earlier terms for the Akashic records? I want to get into some of the uh, references that you have in your book before we get into more details on how to access it. You, you have historical figures. You actually put in Nostradamus and what a, uh, a an amazing person he was. Uh, he seems to uh, really been able to predict not only the future, but specific events within the future. Talk a little bit about some of the historical figures. Uh, let's go, let's go through a few. Let's start with Nostradamus. Why do you feel that he is somebody who tapped what you would, what we call today the, uh, Akashic field, uh, the Akashic records? Is it, is there another name that he used for it? You know, Nostradamus is an interesting character. Um, <laughs> you think about his life, which I don't know if people know about this as much or they don't talk about it as much, but he was living at a time when the great bubonic plague was wiping out humanity and he was a medical guy. He actually invented some, I don't know if it was a tincture, I can't remember exactly, but it was actually helping some people. But then ironically, his entire family got wiped out by the plague. Wow. And so you can imagine that that was his dark night of the soul. And then that's when he really started kicking in the production of sitting with his quatrains and his little candle and, and cranking out these predictions of the future. I, I, I can only imagine like what, what it would be like, like if your whole family got wiped out, you would definitely be put into some kind of an altered state of consciousness. And it certainly seemed to open the door for him to, you know, drop his medical practice and, and do this full time, even though he probably at the time didn't even know the, consequences of what he was even coming up with. But you have to think of somebody who has predicted different things. And again, some of those are still up for interpretation, but some of them were quite clear that they you have to know he's tapping into something, some futuristic thing, talking about rocket ships and different things that somebody in that time period would just never would have known about. I mean, it's absolutely incredible. Yeah, it's so funny because we have this uh, perception of Nostradamus sitting in a dark room with his candles, looking and gazing in the crystal balls and and uh, uh, doing animal sacrifice. I mean, it, it, the occult side of it really got going when perhaps he was just highly intuitive, highly psychic and able to tap into future events by accessing what we call today the akashic records do we have a sense of what does he write about what he's doing in terms of these uh these predictions do we know i i don't know a great deal he about wrote it. those quatrains that quatrains were very, i know that yeah. term yeah yeah and they were very obscure and so that's why people modern people we like to sit around looking at the quatrains and decide what it means you know 
Um, <laughs> but I, you know, when I think of him, I, th- I just think, yeah, after your whole family gets wiped out, you, he actually developed a medicine that was helping a lot of people. I mean, who would be able to channel that? You know, I think yeah. he was into those Akashic records, you know, in different ways, even before the quatrains that have now made him famous, in my opinion. We're going to take a short commercial break and we'll return with my guest Shelly Carr in her new book, Journeys Through the Akashic Records. We'll be right back. Two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. My guest today is Shelley Carr, teacher, author, and experiencer, and she's presenting information on how to access the Akashic Records. This is a, an important part of our consciousness. Let's talk about Madame Blavatsky. Uh, she was a, a very intuitive woman, but also she actually traveled to different parts of the world to gain data what is her access point to the Akashic Fields, Akashic Records? She was the founder of Theosophy and traveled a lot to India and said that some Mahatmas had given her this divine information. And so she wrote The Secret Doctrine and right. um, Isis Unveiled. And so she was really one of the first to speak. She didn't use the term Akashic Records specifically, but she talked about the astral light and seemed to be talking about this space of unlimited universal cosmic data in this storehouse. And when I think of like Edgar Casey, who would have been just right after her, I I still intuitively, I wonder if on some level, the source that Edgar Casey was uh, bringing through was connected somehow with her or knew of her somehow, because I think she really, Casey really, to me, brought it into the mainstream, but Madame Blavatsky, I believe, got the party started in terms of why we're even having this conversation right now. Yeah, I mean, that whole uh, look at psychic ability, and she was very much into some of these places like Atlantis and Lemuria, which she, I think she called it Mu, which is appealing to me because I'm fascinated by these ancient unknown civilizations. Um so she was very special. Let's get into Edgar Casey. Edgar Casey actually comments on the, his ability to access this vault of knowledge, doesn't he? Absolutely. Um, this was another he 
was a sickly child. He had medical problems. Just like a lot of people, I think, turn to the metaphysical realm when they've really lost hope in normal ways. <laughs> so they sent him to a hypnotherapist and, you know, normal people would just, you know, you just have a little guided imagery, no problem. But he went so far down into trance. He didn't remember what he was talking about. And he began bringing through this energy called source. And again, he's talking about things he knows nothing about. He's making predictions. And, you know, in the areas of health, he would tell people somebody's on their last limb. He would tell them some really freaky remedy that you would never give to somebody, but this person thinks, well, I'm at the end of my rope. I, I guess I'll try it. And sure enough, it works. Yeah. And then he talked all about the past lives and he picked up kind of where Blavatsky left off with a lot of Lemuria, a lot of Atlantis um, and Egypt, of course, ancient Egypt and telling people who they were and how they could remedy the karma that they had brought into the current life from those past lives. Um, and so it's uh and again, he gave what over 14,000 readings during his lifetime, completely unconscious. And by the grace of God, they had a stenographer there to keep that. <laughs> Thank God we had. A yes. And then what yeah. they realized is they told somebody a medical treatment, but they realized even though that was an individual reading, that some of those things could be applied to everyone and they could be helpful. And so that's why that is so um, transformational. And I think obviously it's the Akashic Records. Uh, yeah. Talk real briefly about his detailed explanations of of these different readings while these people are living in significant lives in, in Atlantis. And we really get a tremendous amount of data from Casey in the various periods. And he goes all the way back to half a million years ago. There was three phases of Atlantis. We're not going to get into the details, but... This, this is an important period in Earth's history, isn't it? And he is, I mean, we have Plato's scribblings and that's it. And then we have Casey's. And because Casey's a psychic, all this data, for the most part, by the academic world is thrown out the window. Oh, definitely. And yet we get such specific data about using crystal energy, piezoelectric energy, which we use today in our computers. But you, what does that make you feel about that lifetime? I mean, because I I know that bleeds through me a lot. Is <laughs> Atlantis period? But it's like, why is it? Why can't we get more data from from uh, or more acceptability from uh, Casey's readings about Atlantis? What do you say? It's so interesting. I. Where you were speaking, you know, you and I talked about my book, Past Lives in Ancient Lands and Other Worlds. So originally when I wrote the first draft, I've never told anyone this before, but yeah, I had it, I had Lemuria and then Atlantis and then hunter gatherer prehistory people. But my publisher really felt like Atlantis and Lemuria are other worlds because they're, again, for some people, they're just considered pseudoscience, but for me, and you, those are really real places. When I got into the yeah. casing material, that, that, like you said, it woke something up in me. I know that I was in those places before. And I think there's a lot of people who feel like that. So Casey talked about, um, you know, the Lemurians and people who began as little balls of light out in the universe and they embodied this very high frequency form into the Lemurians that kind of evolved into phase one of Atlantis. Through earth changes, they moved on, they, they rose in technological capabilities. And then 
you know, the greedy, you know, what's basically destroyed the planet. Yeah. And the idea that we need to look back at that history so that we don't make those same mistakes again. It's just always resonated with me. And I feel like, you know, we come around these lifetimes with soul groups and with people who we probably have been there with before. And and that's always <laughs> been a very real place to me. Yeah. Thank you for that. Real quickly, you also mentioned that the Akashic uh, Library, Akashic Records are accessed in a number of uh, biblical revelations. And for those who study the Bible, talk a little bit about what either passages or references you feel are directly from this vault of uh, Akashic field. Yeah, I was just, in fact, I just read one of those the other day. I don't know if I can name the verse off the top of my head, but you know, there's numerous references in the Bible to the book of life. And there's numerous references to the fact that, you know, the Lord has planned this for you. So even if you're in a dark space, just know there's a plan here. It's already been put in place. (laughs) And so kind of like this preordained destiny or that your name has been written in this book. So this is referencing again, this idea that maybe, maybe some things really are pre-planned. I mean, that's another whole show topic, I would think. Um, (laughs) But is this book of life that, that is being talked about in the Bible, you know, is that a book that has our life in it and maybe our other lives in it? Because at one point, um, I believe the biblically, you know, the idea of reincarnation was acceptable in the old days, which it isn't really in that realm anymore, but I think there's there's hints and references there that something bigger is is going on here. Yeah, I think you're right. I think there's a lot of passages by the writers of the Bible uh, that they were probably tapping in quite quite directly. All right, so let's get into the personal use of uh, Akashic Record access. Uh, I want you to explain. And this is a big part of your book. It's called Mindstream. How do we enter the mind stream? What is the mind stream and why is it important in accessing the Akashic fields? I'm so glad you asked this question. Um, you were asking me earlier, like, when did I first kind of start realizing I was accessing the Akashic records? Because, and I said it took me a while because I never called it that. I always called it the mind stream. And just like a lot of the things that came to me in that strange celestial experience that I had back in 2000, I never heard the word mindstream before. I didn't really know what it was. I had written a book uh, about past lives that came out in um, 2003 called Lifestream because of this idea that I had that Lifestream could take us down the river of time, but that really we were dealing with this more of a mindstream. It was bigger than that. And so that's how I perceived this Akashic space. And then later, I discovered that mindstream is a, a prevalent term in Buddhism. Right. To, because there's a belief and a knowing and a knowledge, a sacred knowledge of this realm that we're talking about. You know, you can put a different wrapping paper on it. You can call it Kashik Records, mindstream, call it whatever you want, but it is the universal realm of consciousness. Uh, where all of the answers exist. It's the place that Carl Jung talked about in the collective unconscious, whatever, where we can go into this cosmic, timeless space and receive the love and support and wisdom and knowledge of the universe. Hmm. So let's take our listeners through 
a connection of uh, or using the mind stream. So we're sitting quietly in our room. Uh, we're preparing. Uh, we've made preparations to to access the Akashic field. Where does the mind stream come in? What is the uh, uh, how does it work in connection to downloading data? I think in the book, there's a there's a journey called um, before the before. And I think that's probably the closest thing to really plugging into this mind stream that I've got in that book. So we're going to go bring the light through the body, surround ourselves with light, walk through the door, meet our guide. And then we're going to go out into um, the space that I kind of alluded to earlier that Edgar Casey talked about, where we're going to actually go back so far in time that we're no longer part of a physical world where like a little light bubble in the universe and really tuning into the unconditional love and support and the connectivity that we all have to everything in the universe. I think in that space, that probably gives people the closest thing to this feeling when I, when clients have gone back that far in, in private sessions, it's very, very healing, especially if people are feeling down or they're feeling disconnected, which a lot of us are these days, you know, you can go into that space of, of knowing that you're connected to everything. And then within that space also just draw um, support and or information from it. Okay. And and you've led me to the next questions, which is I'm in this space. Why do I care about the Akashic Records? Well, this is the library, and and this is something I've I've always felt was quite unique. And I have very little. I, I probably have a lot of connection, but I'm not conscious of being connected to the Akashic field. Uh, but one of the things uh, that is fascinating to me is it is a resource for the past, for the present, and the future. Now that when I when I hear that, and I'd like you to talk a little bit, I want like you to address this a little bit. When I hear that, I, I find it amazing because we think of people that are great inventors like Tesla or I uh Einstein or these other geniuses able to in their sleep, not consciously aware that they're tapping in, bring down amazing inventions and amazing uh medicines, amazing thoughts that kind of set in motion the, the the future in many ways or the present in terms of healing medicines. So talk a little bit about accessing past, present, and future and why that is important as a physical being. Yeah, it's That's um, a heavy one. So give us the highlights because I'm looking at your face like, Cliff, I'll be here for years if I yes. have to give okay, you. Okay, um, two more hours. Okay, great. We love it. In the I beginning. Love Cliff. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll get back into something I mentioned a little bit ago. My my 2003 book, Livestream, Journeys into Past and Future Lives. That's what it was called. I've always taken clients into the future at the conclusion of a session not into futures like Nostradamus where we're going hundreds of years out in the future, but what can be very helpful is tapping into a future memory of something that's going to happen to you in the future in your current life. To your point about why do I care and stuff like that, normally, I mean, some people want regression and this kind of thing because they're curious, but normally people are doing it because something is wrong. Things are not working. They're not working in the area of love and relationships. 
Not that that happens to you and your viewers, but uh, okay. Um, health or let's say financial stability, abundance, whatever, security. Mm-hmm. And so whatever the issue is, we're going to go back to the earliest point, the or the origin point of where this issue became a challenge, work on it, figure out what lessons we learned by experiencing that thing. And then in order to really solidify that the work's been done, then it's helpful to have the individual pop out into the future where they can see themselves happy and healthy and whatever this problem was that they had today, it's already resolved. And so good things are coming as a result of resolving this. And people can say, well, how can you do that? Um, when this book, the 2003 one came out, Brian Weiss had endorsed it. And he said, how do you keep people from like seeing their own death or, or having something horrible happen? It's because I'm asking them to go to a happy place. You know, I'm, I'm in that case, I'm being very specific. Mm-hmm. We all have a happy memory, you know, that exists in the unified field of possibilities. So happy, healthy, that could be tomorrow. That might be next week. It doesn't have to be too far out in the future, but just long enough so that they can really um, have them tap into that feeling of feeling peaceful. And, and then they come out of the session. And then if they can believe in their own journey, that the things they told themselves to do, because what happens is if you're in a future memory of something that's going to happen in this life where it, things have been resolved, then I would say, well, okay, Cliff, so tell us, well, what did you do first to get this done? You said, oh, well, I read the book and then I met so-and-so and then they introduced me to this person. I took a class. And so you start to almost reverse engineer the soul and figure out some steps that you can take. Again, are they still in the field of all possibilities? Of course they are. But if you would actually get up out of the session and, you know, one of the keys to success in this is to believe in this imaginative power that you have, but not just to blow it off, but just to take actual action to do the things that you intuited and just act as if they're real. And if you move in that direction, then people can make unbelievable um, progress in their life. And so in the Akashic Records, we definitely go out into current life futures. And I do talk about what if I do want to try out being the next Nostradamus? I say, here it is. Give it a shot. I do believe that some people would find a real talent there. But for most of us, including yours truly, I probably, you know, wouldn't be able to do that myself. But everybody's open to at least try. I love that. Um, we're, we're getting close to the end. I, I want you to talk a little bit about some of the aspects of self-discovery. And what I mean by that is many of us are weighted in our physicality and we just can't see beyond our daily drive to the office, coming home, watching TV, going to bed and getting up and doing the same thing again. What are the other realms, the unseen realms? What are the uh, uh, guides and, and, and other beings that are part of our psychic life, for lack of a better term? In your book, you bring up the t- the term soul's purpose, and this is what I want you to talk about right now. When we incarnate, it's not just this dense, heavy, physical body. We have a soul, and that soul can be tapped into, and we can see other aspects of our incarnation. So talk about the soul's purpose and how the... Akashic Records can shed light on this lifetime, the lifetime we live now. Yeah, you make such a good point, Cliff, about 
we're trying to get by, we're at our job, you know, we're bogged down, we're bombarded with media and, and videos and everything else. And so it's very <laughs> yeah. difficult videos, but other than these, of course. Um, and so there, you know, everybody has a purpose. Everybody has a reason for being. I really believe that. And I think that when we're in difficulties, maybe you're at a crossroads, you don't know whether to keep this job or go find something else and, and different kinds of crossroads we have. It can be very confusing. Sometimes we feel discouraged and lost. And so you can go into a space where you can speak with your guide, your angel, who in the book is, has been now established as someone who has known your soul since the beginning of time. So they know you better than you know yourself and they're going to help you go through a process where they can ask you. So you, you can ask them, well, what's, what's my sole purpose? And then you can receive that information either by listening to it, seeing it. And the sole purpose is usually very, very simple. It might be to love or to forgive or, and so um, through this discovery of the purpose, there's, there's another really interesting journey that I think is very helpful called before you arrived, where we have you travel with this guide out to the moments before your birth in the current lifetime. Wow. So you can meet with the creator of your own understanding and sit down together while the creator tells you what it is you're getting ready to do in this lifetime. And so what ends up happening a lot is I think we're all very hard on ourselves. We are so busy we might have a real success, but we don't even have time to celebrate it. And so when we find out from this creator what it is we're supposed to be doing during our lifetime, then you can start like going over. So think about your life now from birth to whatever age you are and think about some of the highlights and allow some of those things to come back up into your mind. And people will come out of that going, oh my gosh, you know what I did? I did this and then I did that. And wait a minute, I did that too. Maybe I do have a purpose. Maybe I am on track. Maybe I'm not as messed up as I thought I was when I first started this process. And hopefully it makes people feel encouraged that, you know, you're going to have divine help. It's there, whether you perceive it or not, we get that you're bogged down, but take a minute, take a breath, pat yourself on the back and know that we're all here for a reason. Yeah. I love that. Thank you for that. Um, I want to just say this for those people that are dense and I raised my hand on, on that one. Uh, even though you're shaking your head, like if you don't know how powerful you are, that kind of thing, you know, I'm like, okay, whatever. No, but I, I, I hear what you're saying. Is there a, a Shelly Carr video or primer that I can see that gets me started in, in this access point? Do you have a website that people can go to and, and get a, sense of exactly what you're talking about that that people so people that have trouble visualizing their guides visualizing their special uh their their soul that they can access yeah if viewers and listeners go to pastlifelady.com i've got a lot of links there so go over to my youtube channel and i've got i've got a webinar I posted about the Akashic Records. Um, I've got lots of guided imagery, past life regression, cool. short ones, and people can try it out. Yes, tons of guided imagery there. Okay, guys. So there you go. Shelly just gave and us- And please a subscribe, please. Yeah, subscribe, but also get the book, Journeys Through the Akashic Records. But that's that's kind of like the, the the foundation. But here you go. There's no excuse not to use the techniques in this book 
and she's giving us the the keys to get started. And once you're started, there you go. <laughs> That's the way to go. Hey, as we conclude, talk a little bit about how we travel with soul groups and what are soul groups. I think people don't realize that their best friends and their family uh, probably have been with them through various incarnations as in playing different roles in terms of uh, family dynamics. So talk a little bit about soul groups, would you? Yes, I definitely believe that many of the people who we are encountering in daily life, whether it's your coworkers, your family, your best friend, as Cliff said, these are people you've been around the block with before. And yes, maybe they haven't been in the same role. Um, somebody the other day we were talking about, it's kind of like the theater. Like if you go to a theater, maybe today I'm going to play the mom and tomorrow I'm going to play the daughter. You know, you might be playing <laughs> different roles, but they're the different same actors. souls. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And so, you know, you have to think like, especially with families, they're so wonderful and so challenging that some of these people who are challenging us the most are the people who love us the most. And they're here because again, we have a purpose and we have lessons that we're trying to learn. And so we come back together to support and love each other. And and that's so amazing uh, that this is part of the physical dynamic of being a human being here on earth is that these individuals incarnate with us. And even though we don't necessarily realize it, unless we're really intuitive, they're here to help too, aren't they? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> um, I believe we have a lot of help in the unseen world. We have our help here through these soul groups and we've got more support than I think people realize. And I think when people are feeling down, I just want to encourage viewers and listeners to know that you are loved, you are supported and whether you can feel that or not, just take my word for it. I love that. (laughs) Shelly's like, I've I've been through hell and back. Believe me, this is the way to go. All right. Hey, hey, the book's called Journeys Through the Akashic Records, Accessing Other Realms of Consciousness for Healing and Transformation. It came out last summer, 2021. My guest today has been Shelly Carr. Shelly, why are, uh, why is this book important for, for the new year, 2023? Give us a kind of a final two cents worth. This book really contains all of the guided processes that I developed over the course of over 20 years in private practice. I put it in the book for you. So you can get an app, you can read it to yourself, play these things back. And it's important to me to know that this is out there and it's available for readers. It's a new year. It's time to get going on your goals. You can do all kinds of things and you have access to the answers to the most important questions that you have about your life. And the most empowering way to get those answers is by going on guided journeys and finding the answers from within yourself and taking action. And you can really make this an amazing 2023. I love that. Also, remember, her website is pastlifelady.com. And uh, she's very active on that. You can check out uh, Getting Started. And, and she's probably got tons of other stuff there. I haven't looked at it in a while. So, Shelly, wonderful as always to have you. And uh, we will definitely have you back again. Uh, what's on the what's on the uh, uh, burner for 2023 with Shelly Carr's life? Tell us a little bit about what's I'm happening. trying to get some uh, real in-person engagements going here. I've got a couple and I'll be adding more and more. So and I'll still be teaching online and um, just finished another book for Llewellyn. So 
the same old thing, Cliff, different year. And I'm looking forward to it, but I'm looking forward to seeing people in person. That's going to be what I'm going to work on this year. Because things are kind of opening up, you mean, and and it's not so much, uh, uh, you know, stay away from groups and people. Now we can mingle again. We can, we can socialize basically. Absolutely. Fantastic. Hey, great to have you. Thanks. Thank you so much. It's been a, a thrill as usual, and I can't wait till next time. It's always good to have Shelly on the program. She is into so much, you know, and uh, when you have a near-death experience, I think it opens up a lot of these inner resources or recesses and resources to kind of awaken us. And I think she's tapping in quite a bit. As a writer, I can also relate that I have very lucid periods of writing and (laughs) can also go with just being lucid for the for a day or two. I try to stay open to for, uh, information. But, you know, the Akashic Records, I'm serious. I, I mentioned Tesla overstepping his bounds and grabbing into uh, areas of technology and inventions that we're not ready for, and they failed. And it's almost like there's an oversight, you know. If you bring something through, and you manifest it as an invention, as a uh, medicine or something, you know, and we're not supposed to have it, then it's a problem. Isn't that strange to consider? Very, very strange. Anyhow, again, uh, I really enjoy talking to Shelley. I want to mention that uh, in the last couple of years, the conference industry has been just severely damaged because of uh, the COVID. You're not supposed to mingle. You're not supposed to gather. You're not supposed to go to conferences, events, uh, and um, public uh, uh, gatherings. But this has all changed now. We're back in the swing of things. And uh, I want to mention that Earth Ancients and Destiny is a sponsor to the largest uh, UFO New Science Ancient Wisdom Conference called Contact in the Desert. It's in its ninth year. It's going to be held in Indian Wells, California. And it is June 2nd to the 4th. And guess who's going to be there? Boy, I'll tell you, what a lineup. Graham Hancock, Dr. A.V. Loeb, Linda Moulton Howe, and just a huge, huge audience of experts, of uh, original thinkers, over 125 lectures, workshops, and panels. For more information, go to contactinthedesert.com. Look at the lineup. Look at this lineup. And, you know, if you can get there, swing by the uh, Earth uh, Earth Ancients Destiny booth. Say hi. Love to say hello to you and, and uh, chat a little bit. But get yourself out to this, this uh, conference. It is Simply amazing. There's nothing else like it. Contact in the Desert, uh, June 2nd to the 4th. For more information, go to contactinthedesert.com and see what it's all about. It's amazing. I'm so glad they were able to survive. So many conferences just were not able to survive. So, all right, hope to see you there. All right, that's it for this program. I want to thank my guest today, Shelly Carr. She was coming to us from Texas, uh, the United States. As always, the team of Ruth Thomas, Mark Foster, and everyone who makes this thing happen. You guys rock. Yeah, you sure do. 
All right, take care, be well, and we will talk to you next time.